Hi everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. A stroke occurs when the blood flow to the brain is interrupted. There are two types. The first, a hemorrhagic stroke, which is less common, but occurs when a broken vessel in the brain causes bleeding and prevents blood from going to other parts of the brain. The second is ischemic stroke, which is more common and occurs when clots stop blood supply from getting to other parts of the brain. Because blood is unable to reach various parts of the brain, it causes the brain cells to die. This cell death is what affects the ability to move, walk, and for some patients, even speak. While a stroke can be difficult, it does not mean the end of life. Our guest, Neil Barry Jr., a physiotherapist from Guyana, discusses the role of physiotherapy on the road to stroke recovery. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to RX Rounds. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. Today, we're talking about stroke rehabilitation, and our guest is a physiotherapist from Guyana. So I'll have him introduce himself. Thanks for having me on the show, and thanks to the listeners as well, and to the audience. I am a physical therapist from Guyana. I've worked uh, in public health for a number of years, and I've worked with... uh, a multi-segmental team. So that includes doctors, medical technologists, and nurses. And uh, one of the cases that we've worked extensively on is stroke and stroke rehabilitation. Great. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about what physical therapists do and some of the key differences between other types of therapy like occupational therapists? Okay, so perhaps I'll start with the other, like with occupational therapists. So and OT will always tell you about the hands mm-hmm. and uh, a big clue into what they do is in the name so occupation but they think occupation in the broader sense not just the job that pays you but what is your role so your role in your family your role at work perhaps you might be a child and your role is to be able to play mm-hmm. and occupational therapists will do their best to help you to play that role to the best of your ability so the focus is greatly on what your role is and helping you to still play it, regardless of where you are physically or even mentally. As a physical therapist, it is a bit more focused on function mm-hmm. or sometimes even dysfunction. So we might, for example, take the same case and we will look at somebody who has a fractured wrist and OT will take that fractured wrist person and ask questions like, what, what have you been doing uh, so maybe you're a 10-year-old and you like to paint and they will modify your environment to help you to still paint or as a physical therapist might try to look at how much bending you have in your fingers and your wrist and try to help you to get back to where you were and then maybe refer you to an OT to help you to paint better. So that is how we differ quite a lot. So essentially occupational therapy, they look for tools to assist you in doing your occupation as it might seem, right? And then a physiotherapist is more in the function of the body itself, right? Okay, so um, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the areas where physiotherapists are important and where we can um, sort of improve on functions, not only in stroke, but in other areas as well? Certainly physiotherapists are important in injury rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. 
and that can be an injury to any any physical body part and to some degree even mental health uh, um, deficits additionally physical therapists are important in ICUs so I spend quite a lot of time just helping people manage breathing function and have to keep their circulatory system functioning just as well as they can while they're on life support um, Certainly, we're popular for working with athletes, uh, but we're also very, very important in stroke rehabilitation and in inpatient facilities. So there are physical therapists who work in geriatric homes, just keeping people active and again, helping to make sure their airways are clear, they breathe well, they move well. And we are very important as educators. Uh, in the Caribbean, chronic disease has been increasing and it's been one of the leading causes of death or disability. And uh, we play an important role in helping to educate the public on how to prevent chronic health issues. I like that um, idea of prevention because that's something that we tend to want to focus on here at RX Rounds. How can we prevent injury? How can we prevent um, a lot of those chronic illnesses? So what kind of are the key areas in which physiotherapists can help with that prevention aspect. Can you tell us? Well, as physical therapists, we're supposed to be quote-unquote experts on exercise. Okay. Uh, and exercise is definitely one of the major players in preventing chronic disease. Mm -hmm. But also, we, we ought to be quite knowledgeable on things like nutrition. Um, but also, uh, recently, uh, our field has been looking quite a lot at pain science. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has emerged is that pain is very multifactorial. So having a lot of stress in your life can increase the, the physical pain that you feel. Not living a balanced life, not exercising or spending enough time with your family, having too much office stress, mental health issues. These things contribute to your health in measurable ways. And so we're important in terms of educating the public about how to manage those things better. Okay. So we're talking about stroke today, right? So let's kind of talk about what are some of the goals for physiotherapy after a stroke what would you have as goals for your patients okay so for us we set goals based on the degree of the stroke or the severity of dysfunction so not every stroke is the same uh, not everybody will be unable to walk um, not everybody will have speech um, not everybody will have the ability to, to, to use their mouth the way they used to. So for us, it's about assessing. It starts with an assessment, and then we can develop goals uh, in conjunction with the individual and with their family. Uh, it's important for us to help to prevent further disability or to help manage the disability that the person has as a result of the stroke. And it's also important for us to prevent uh, in medical terms, comorbidities. So people might have issues with swallowing, uh, people might have issues with breathing, uh, because they are currently confined to maybe a wheelchair or a bed, then you've got to consider cardiac events um, or maybe just skin problems. Because if they're in the same spot all day, then they can develop a sore. Yeah, yeah so for us it's really important. Uh, quite often it's not the stroke that really is as damaging as the things that happen after the stroke. Mm -hmm. So he helping with that care 
educating the family and the caregivers so we can prevent those things is very important to our job okay so after a stroke how soon i know you talked about the goals being different for each patient but how soon would you say is best to start doing physical therapy with a patient who has recently had a stroke okay so from from my time uh, working in inpatient facilities it is important to start physical therapy immediately after the person is stable so they come into the hospital, they've just had a stroke, they've received immediate care, and now they're stable and they might be there for a few days. Physical therapy starts at the hospital. Okay, and when you say they're stable, does that have to do with um, breathing or any other? Yeah, so definitely vital signs. Um, so their, their blood pressure is under control, their heart rate is under control. Um, yeah, we should, we should start right away. And what are some recommendations for patients who have suffered a stroke um, and do not have access to rehab? Like, what are some things that they can do themselves? I think it's important uh, to reckon, recognize a stroke. Um, so just the public being able to know what a stroke is, what causes it. Um, if you don't have access to, to, to a physical therapist, then maybe just go to your local health center and see if maybe you can get a referral. Uh, I know in the Caribbean, quite often, public health is, is actually public. So maybe from your nearest health center, you can get a referral to a public physical therapy center. And you might not get a physical therapist, but you might get an occupational therapist right. or a speech and language therapist. Mm -hmm. So it, with a stroke, it's very important to work with a professional. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I think if you're at home, it's important to focus on your ability, so focus on what you have and not so much on what you've lost, oh, wow. and uh, be open to adjusting. Mm -hmm. You might not be able to do everything the same way that you did it before, but you can be creative and find new ways to do some of the same things. Mm -hmm. And also, the sooner you start to accept that this event has happened, the better it's gonna be for you. Uh, being hopeful goes a, a long way towards recovery. Having that mindset that you're gonna be yeah. in recovery and, uh, and yeah. setting goals. So find find small goals to set for yourself and mm -hmm. work towards them. Yeah. So I know one of the key things I've heard um, living in Trinidad is that after you have a stroke, there's no turning back, basically. Um, and we can get to that in the MythBuster as well. But is there? a possibility of fully recovering after a stroke? Yes. Okay. So patients often think that, you know, their family member had a stroke and then there's no way we can help them after this. They're going to be not able to walk. They're not going to be able to talk. They're not going to be able to do anything. But they're getting that rehab as soon as their um, vital sites are stable and everything can sort of lead to the possibility of them fully recovering from a stroke, right? So are there any um, types of classes or exercises that can be beneficial post-stroke that people can do? Uh, certainly in, in the hospital, mm -hmm. we usually start with what we call passive exercises. So this is where you're working with a professional mm -hmm. and they're just making sure that all your joints go through their full range of movement. And depending on the severity of your stroke, just getting you into good positions, into good posture, maybe sitting up straight, maybe just standing and maybe just going from seated to standing. Uh, that has been a very, very, very good and underrated exercise. Um, 
when people are discharged from the hospital, aquatic therapy is very, very good. So if you're, again, working with a professional where it's safe, you're unlikely to have an incident where you drown or you're covered or you're with family members who will make sure that you're well supervised, just getting in the water and moving around, you can freestyle. Mm -hmm. Just do whatever you're comfortable doing in the water. It's a lot safer. It's a lot less pressure on your joints. There is a lower risk of falling. You fall in the water. You have a family member there, you know. So aquatic therapy has been very, very good, but also active assisted exercises. So I can maybe describe one. Um, everybody has a mop, I think, at home. Yeah. So just using the stick, generally a stroke might just affect one side of the body. Okay. So you might have one side that's strong. And if you can manage to grip uh, the, the mop with the affected side, and then use the unaffected side to help you lift your arms over your head. Then you can perform multiple exercises with just them up and the other arm helping you. So active, assist, active assisted exercises are highly recommended too. Okay, so what I'm hearing now is just maintaining that movement, whether or not it's the same as um, what you were doing before a stroke is irrelevant. You really just need to maintain some sort of movement in the capacity that you can after that stroke, right? Uh, definitely, and then build from there. So, like I said, keep an open mind, be hopeful. You never know exactly how much you can improve unless you set goals for yourself and you achieve them in small ways. Uh, I would encourage people to also not just think of moving the extremities, like the hands and the feet, mm -hmm. but also think about the face. Oh, wow. yeah. So. Uh, in physical therapy centers we use mirrors quite a lot and uh, we'll have we'll have the patients sit in front of a mirror and work on their facial expressions it's a it's a lost art when it when it comes to stroke a lot of people aren't able to convey emotion or communicate the way that they used to but just being able to con have that control over your face it makes you feel a little bit more normal and uh, we shouldn't ignore that social aspect of, of having a stroke as well. And that's one of the key identifiers of stroke as well, that facial droop or the movement of the lip or things like that. So that'll be definitely good if you're able to actually control those features and not appear that you just had a stroke. Yeah, and the mirror, the mirror goes a long way into helping your brain recover because it's very stimulative. Mm -hmm. So doing those exercises in front of a mirror are one of the really good things that you can do. So now we're into the Mythbuster segment. So I know you've done a lot of work in Guyana and in other Caribbean countries as well. So I'm sure you'll be a great resource to tell us about some of the myths and misconceptions concerning stroke and even physical therapy in general. Share with us some of the things you've heard that are not evidence-based. Okay, so one of the most popular things we hear where I come from is that if you've been baking, for a few hours you should not get anything from the fridge for another couple hours after that or if you've been ironing clothes you should not drink cold water within an hour after that so essentially the fear is that if you go from hot to cold you will get a stroke and while the belief has been there there just isn't any evidence that i know of that can support that and that's interesting because i've never heard of that one but it's definitely not something that i would think would be a cause of a stroke based on the pathophysiology of a stroke. There is another myth about uh, persons having stroke and also having HIV, uh, which again is not something that has been proven by research. 
And as far as we know about the pathophysiology of a stroke, it's not quite connected to the pathophysiology of HIV. But I think in terms of our Caribbean people, we often think about HIV being correlated with a lot of things. And I think that's a huge misconception in general. You know, HIV should be set on its own, even though there are comorbidities associated with it, um, it should be set isolated and we shouldn't be thinking that one thing causes HIV. So that might be good for us to kind of get away from that mentality and think of HIV in isolation as a disease state. Mm -hmm. Additionally, uh, because of the, some of these misconceptions about stroke, some people even go as far as thinking that a stroke is contagious. Yeah. Uh, but it really isn't. You can't get a stroke from touching somebody who had a stroke. You're not more likely to have a stroke if you're around somebody who had a stroke. So it's definitely not that. And it's definitely not uh, a higher being smiting you for something that you've done. Right. So that, that is another one of the misconceptions that people have, that somebody might be possessed by a demon or they might have been a witch. But it's just not true. Yeah. So I think a lot of these have to do with not knowing what the pathophysiology of a stroke is. And we're definitely going to cover that in the clinical pills segment. So stay tuned for that because we can bust a lot of these myths by just knowing how a stroke is caused. Uh, where I come from too, a lot of people believe that if you think you're having a stroke, that you should pop a piece of uh, nutmeg under your tongue and just hold it there for a few hours. Uh, also, sometimes when somebody is checked into an inpatient facility, their family members might might manually open their mouth and put the nutmeg in there. But you've got to be you've got to be very careful with that. The belief is that the nutmeg will help you to heal faster. Um, it has been shown to help to reduce blood pressure in some people. However, you have to be aware that with a stroke, sometimes the functions of the mouth and the tongue are compromised. Sometimes the throat is compromised, and if you put that in there, then there's a, a risk of choking. Right. And. Is there anything else? You yeah, I guess say? the most popular one is that people cannot fully recover from a stroke. Right. And that, again, is just not true. Um, somebody's stroke rehabilitation is often based on what extent or to what extent the injury affected them. Mm -hmm. And the, some people are able to recover to the point where you might not see them and recognize that they ever had a stroke. Right. Uh, for others, their life might change. Uh, they might need to use a cane or a walking aid or maybe use other assistive devices around the home. Mm -hmm. um, but you can recover to very different degrees. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us and for giving us some insight on stroke rehabilitation. We know that you've done so much in that area and in other areas of physical therapy. So it will definitely be beneficial to our audience. Um, is there anything else you'd want to tell our audience about stroke or any other disease state that includes uh, having a physical therapist on board? Yeah, I think definitely uh, where you can use shows like these to educate yourself on these sort of diseases. Mm -hmm. um, in the world, uh, there's a 70% chance that everybody will develop a form of disability at some point in their life. So change the way you think about disability and uh, be somebody who is adaptable. Mm -hmm. Having a disability or having a stroke isn't the end of your life. You can still live a high quality life. Mm 
mm-hmm. maybe not the way you envisioned it but still in a way that is meaningful yeah and making those transitions to adapt to the new lifestyle that you're mm-hmm. gonna have to certainly accommodate you know all right well thank you so much and we look forward to having you again as neil mentioned early recognition of the signs and symptoms of a stroke are by far the first steps on the road to stroke recovery in this clinical pearl segment we will look at the key identifiers of a stroke and some of the risk factors associated with it we use the fast tests to help recognize a stroke F stands for facial weakness. Ask the patient to smile. If their smile seems uneven or one side of the face is drooping, this may be a sign of stroke. A stands for arm weakness. Ask the person to lift both arms over their head. If one arm is directed downward, this may be a sign of stroke as well. S stands for speech problems. Ask the person to repeat a sentence. If some of their words are slurred or the sentence is unrecognizable, this may also be a sign of stroke. If a person is unable to follow any of these commands or having difficulty doing them, then we go to T. Time to call for emergency medical help. Studies show that Black, African, and Caribbean people are twice as likely to have a stroke at a young age when compared to their white counterparts. Persons having high blood pressure, diabetes, sickle cell disease, and an irregular heartbeat may be at increased risk for stroke. Your lifestyle can also affect your stroke risk. Smoking makes blood more likely to form clots, which can increase the risk of stroke. Drinking too much alcohol can affect your blood pressure, which may also increase your risk. And obesity increases the likelihood of high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes. Having a stroke is not the end for patients. Set goals, work with a professional, and make the necessary changes to prevent the possibility of stroke in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Rx Rounds on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button, rate, comment, and review this podcast. And we'll see you next rounds on RX Rounds.